and welcome to The Cut of Steel, episode 12. I'm your host, Kamran Shishtar, and with me is James Selig. Hello. And Brandon Moncada. What's up? It's been, it's been a while. It has been Since a while. we've done this show. There's a lot and of crazy so, things going on. Oh, yeah. So long, this is our first YouTube video for this channel, I think. Or for this uh, series. Series. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny because we didn't even get 12 full episodes for 2021. It just kind of stopped. I was like, uh, ah, it's fine. We can't do the maxi series. It got canceled. Uh, this that's is how the next bad Wonder Woman 84 is. We were just like, nah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that someday. You're like, not, <laughs> not today, guys. I don't have the strength of that. Yeah, it's something. Uh, and of course, Brandon, it's like thinking about it actually now, this is the first time we've recorded together in a while, too. Yeah, I think uh, given like the work life balance and all the other pod- podcast stuff going on in the world, it's uh, it's a little difficult. Definitely, definitely. But we are back and we're starting off 2022 with the HBO Max show Peacemaker which I think is our first series we're tackling, too. Because uh, so yeah. far we've done some DC stuff. Oh, yeah, we never stuff. did... Uh, we never did Doom um, Patrol. It's going to yeah. be this year. It's going to be this year. Uh, the third season finished, right? Yeah. <sighs> I got to watch that. <laughs> well, if anything, we could do either, like, a couple of the seasons at you, a time or just all three at once. We'll see. Just the... I'm just going to say it, like, just really fast. Essentially, the first two seasons are, like, peak superhero TV show. And then season three, you're just like, what's going on? Oh, man. Damn! But Ugh. when you guys watch it, you'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But you know. no, for sure. I mean, if anything, we'll probably be doing it after we go through uh, each episode. Will be a season of Arrow and Flash because I know everyone oh my loves God. them. I... <laughs> All right, I'm I sorry. I'm tapping faces. out. Like, Arrow <laughs> yeah, season three. It. Jesus Christ! Oh man. That's hey man, season like... three is good when you no. watch season four and up, and then you go, "I like season three now because of those no. seasons." Fuck you! If I'm we gotta, if we gotta talk about Arrow. That means we gotta talk about Gotham and Pennyworth. I will talk about Gotham like no tomorrow, and you oh. know I will. <laughs> I never finished the last season. Of Gotham. We should just make a show where we just get drunk and watch an episode of Gotham. No context. Oh my god! Oh my god! That would be great. <laughs> I just. I think we talked about it. I talked to you guys about it before where I was watching Gotham. And I'm like, guys, all right, I'm really confused because they have phones, but they don't look like full smartphones. They have guns that are modern, but their cars and infrastructure are really old. I don't know what year it is. And then finally, in the final season, they have a band that's like on tour and they're doing like a rock show. And there's no year on the tour banner and i'm like dude just give oh, me a fucking year i don't throw me a bone here <laughs> yeah so weird. i don't know what year it is here or the fact that the court of owls literally literally had a uh, party city masks that was the best part You're oh like, god yeah the budget side of the show was like so bad at the same time too yeah you knew think... though the, the the villain music was the best for like riddler and penguin it was like bam, 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 mustache <laughs> twirling bullshit yeah so it's... good and like yeah penguins the main character i don't know like gotham is a, such a weird show yeah it was a, i hate uh, that show for making me like it for the first season and then like i i, I was i kept watching and i just hated it more and more after that i think the thing with it was like it, it is an interesting con- concept but everybody wanted it to be uh what's that one comic series called gotham central yeah and yeah. it was not gotham it was central. no no not at all <laughs> it was gotham on ice if anything god <laughs> That, that is the easiest way to sum it up, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but of course, yeah, we're talking about Peacemaker today. 
and we're going to go through, uh, starting off with the intro, talk a bit after that about pretty much all the characters, or the, the main ones that are on, like, the Peacemaker team, uh, as well as, like, you know, the cops, uh, Peacemaker's dad, stuff like that. And then the important after, ones. Yeah. And afterwards, we'll probably talk about just uh, James Gunn's work on this itself, like how we feel, how James Gunn has done, uh, maybe a couple other things after. We'll see how we're doing on time. But uh, let's start off with that intro, which I think we could easily say is probably the most uh, watchable superhero live action intro I've ever seen. Dude, I laughed my ass off the first time it showed up and I, I watched like every second of it and then I... <laughs> Literally, I saw some article that I think Brandon, you want to talk about it of like James Gunn wanted people to watch the intro every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it worked. Like I I watched it every time and I even like saved it to one of my favorites on YouTube. I watch it like every once in a while. It's so funny. It's were you going to say anything, Cameron? I can go I, first. Well, because I I watched I think it was an article I read or like a YouTube video I watched like interviewing James Gunn about the intro. I'm pretty sure it was a YouTube video. But what's interesting is there was a lot of work put into it to make it what it was. They had like a dance choreographer, like choreographed the whole thing. They practiced and everything. James Gunn outright says he loves to have any sort of like dancing montage in his movies. I mean, if you've seen Guardians, that... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure in other things he's done. Sorry, my watch notifications are going crazy. I can't believe I've uh, done this. <laughs> uh, so it's one of those things that like uh, he tries to incorporate them. And apparently the intro itself is supposed to hint at things that are going to happen in the show. And also include uh-huh. every character you're going to see in the show. But also, oh, shit. apparently the reason for the song being chosen is that it's supposed to hint at stuff that's going to happen as well. It does a little bit like in. OK, I looked up that song. It's uh, Wigwam. It's, yeah, it's by Wigwam. And I'm like, dude, the lyrics are nonsense, mm-hmm. but it does have stuff like, you know, fly to the star or float to the stars on that flying thing. It's like aliens show up at the show. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, ju- Judo Master shows up at the end. Like, the, the janitor, who is in, like, two scenes, he gets a, a spot in this trailer. Or in, in the um, intro. Um, what else? I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, thinking too much into it. But, like, one part of the intro is, like, again, spoilers for this episode. But, like, uh, uh, like Peacemaker points his gun to the camera and fires. And then it cuts to his father being on the other side to, like that maybe that's a mm-hmm. like a foreshadowing to like when he Definitely. literally does kill his dad at the end but i don't know i like i think that's one of the reasons why i kept watching the intro because i was like notice trying to see if i noticed like oh like do you know are these people gonna be like more important later on because like the cops kept showing up and they were only in like one of the earlier episodes so i was like you know they keep they're pretty important, like prominent in the intro. So I kept waiting for them to come back and they do eventually. Yeah. So I, I don't know if everything is supposed to indicate something, but there's a good amount of hints within that intro. So there was that, there was a lot of thought put into it essentially. And ultimately I do think it was just him trying to prevent people from skipping the intro. Like him just kind of maybe, maybe he had some sort of ego where he's like, I can make that happen. No. Eh, challenge maybe. accepted yeah yeah no, i definitely see that 
And I feel like, because uh, I mean, obviously, like when you think of intros for shows, the ones that normally you won't skip are the animated ones, whether it's for an anime or animated series. Like, I honestly don't remember ever skipping Batman or Justice League or Superman or Batman Beyond's intros just because they're they're fun, they're catchy, you, you love them as a kid. Whereas like live action stuff, especially if it's Netflix or a streaming service, they put skip intro for a reason because you don't really care. Well, because it's binging, you know. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, are in a um, binging culture now, and we just run through it. And even then, like other shows, uh, you probably skip it, or they don't even have an intro really. I think like the only live action one I've ever let continue was probably just Game of Thrones. Oh, for me, it was uh, Daredevil. Maybe- I was going to say, like, probably any of the Disney Plus uh, Star Wars stuff. That's because it's, like, literally a two-second, like, flash of a few Star Wars things. Yeah. But I was going to say, the only intro I ever watched, for the most part, was Daredevil. And that even then, that was, like, every other episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did Daredevil a couple times in the first season. And then, like, uh, like I feel like I did it once every season. Then I just stopped. The one I think stuck with me the longest was Punisher. Uh, but anything else... Um... I yeah, like I can't. I didn't. As far as comic book shows go, I'm not too sure what intros I would watch over and over. But ultimately, I think he did achieve his goal of like, I'm going to make people want to watch it over and over again. And there's a lot of stuff hidden in there that kind of grabs at you. Yeah, and it really, I, I really love it. I love especially like when you look at the end of it. Some of them are kind of breathing heavy, like fuck. <laughs> like, Dude, the fact that Eagly takes like one more step forward and like yeah. he looks down to see like where they're stepping is like so funny to me. Yeah, and considering like imagine you're having to do all this, but also keep a complete straight, unemotional face. I think that's what really sells it to me is like John Cena as uh, Peacemaker is just like so dead serious. Even yeah. just like in that one dance, it's it's so funny. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I still, uh, it's hard to believe that they even got an eagle to do that choreography too. Like, it's just like the fact that you did <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, crazy, like, right? Wow, it's fucking insane. Uh, How'd they get him to hug John Cena? Like, uh, butter or something? <laughs> yeah, there was, he put mice in his pockets and he was just mm. like, let me, let me get a nibble of that and just kind of pecked in there. But yeah, intro is awesome. And then looking at the characters, uh, I guess kind of saving Peacemaker maybe for last, but uh, looking at two specific members of his team i would say harcourt and uh economos who are both in the suicide squad movie before yeah Yeah. uh they were we we saw them taking bets on who is gonna live and die and shit and they didn't really give a shit at all yeah i totally forgot they were in that movie honestly like well i mean it's one of those things like oh yeah they they were in it yeah and they, they you know they go along with everything once um that one girl knocks the fuck out of amanda waller with a golf club but like uh, you look at Harcourt in that movie and she just seems like an office, like a desk jockey. And then you see her in this and she's like a, a trained agent that can just mm-hmm. pretty much kill yeah. anybody. She straight up killed that one dude who was like begging for his life. And like, I love her argument of like, it was more cruel to let him think he was going to survive this and just like prolong it, which is an interesting stance to take there. Yeah. Especially if it is like you, you can't, it's a spec ops group that not even other parts of like i guess the task force x people even know about yeah it's like a sub department of task force x it's interesting and weird yeah i'm actually i have another screen so i'm actually have the movie up on hbo right now to see how much screen time they actually have in the movie in suicide squad (laughs) 
Mm, okay. Uh, and I think it's only like three scenes, like just by skimming through the movie. Yeah, and like, uh, I mean, we also know Economos is in the trailers too as the guy that's like, is that a fucking kaiju? When yeah, that's Starro. true. So it's like, um, you, you see them there and you see them in here and actually pretty much interacting with Peacemaker and Harcourt pretty much is like that love interest sort of who's also like, I'm not taking shit from anybody. Uh, this is a job, not a job I necessarily like, but I'm going to do what I need to do. And over time, we see her pretty much like not lower her defenses, but actually feel like they're a, a working group together that are like, n- need to say it like friends uh, by the end of yeah. it. Just looking at like, you know, their van picture together. Um, and I thought that was really cool the way they kind of developed the characters like that. Because in the very beginning, you know, she, uh, what is the Peacemaker, is just like, hey, you're hot. And she's just like, yeah. The fuck I- off. <laughs> He's like, you want to bang? <laughs> I've been in jail. Or no, I was in the yeah. hospital. <laughs> like, I love his, like, thing. He's like, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to be, like, rude or anything. I just, I've been so lonely. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, I've been so lonely for so long. <laughs> and then Economos oh. was like, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, the uh, the lady that played Harcourt, she's in Brightburn. Oh, she, is she the mom? Oh, interesting. No, she's the teacher. Oh, because I was like, I've seen this actress before and I was like, where have I seen her? And then I saw Brightburn sometime in 2021 just because I felt like watching it because I never did. And she yeah, she's in that movie. So she's I imagine she's one of those people that like James Gunn kind of like, you know, he works with a lot of similar people. Hmm. Yeah. Jennifer Holland yeah. uh, is the actress's name, but I thought she did a good job and. You'd think, like, looking at her from the Suicide Squad, she'd be very one-dimensional. And you kind of get, like, the whole thing of, like, her history of, like, you know, I don't trust anybody. This work that I've done has made it so I just do what I need to do, move on to the next job. I don't keep anyone close to me, even the people I work in the office with, especially, like, seeing after what happens to um the woman that hits Amanda Waller in the fa- in the head. She gets arrested. They, they take her away. Um, and we don't know what happens to her after that, which I I think it'd be very interesting if we see her in the second season. Uh, that'd be pretty. Never cool. know. I could see that. But uh, otherwise, like hardcore, like I said, like you see her development where she starts trusting everyone else, especially even Chris, because or AKA Peacemaker, because he like stays at her hospital bed after that shootout where she's like killing butterfly agents left and right. And also gets shot, I want to say, three times before, like... Yeah, like, I'm surprised she didn't die. Yeah. And you even watch her go through, like, physical therapy. I guess she could, like, you know, being hospitalized, she can walk or anything. So just seeing her move again was honestly pretty fulfilling. And Mm -hmm. seeing her survive was fulfilling. Because straight up, the minute you see her get shot three times, you're like, is she dead? Like, is this really gonna... Are they gonna kill her off? Which would have been really sad. Um... Otherwise, Economos, uh, I think that was, that's how they said his name, right? Econom- yeah. Diebeard? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I don't know. I, like, that guy was pretty funny. Like, he wasn't super, like, complex or whatever, or until towards the very end when, like, the, the one butterfly person was like, hey, why did your human dye their beard that way? Like, what? and he has that, like, sad thing where he's like, you know, he, he, kind of just went along with life and didn't really think anyone noticed and like i don't know it's like i'm not doing a 
justice, but it was a very sad moment for the character, and I don't know, it made you feel for the guy. Yeah. But at the same time, like you got to remember He's... early in the season when it's just like, what? Why did you frame my dad for this? Like I couldn't think of anyone else. I know it was like such a dumb thing to do. Else. He's like the same person with uh, with the same last name as him. Yeah. Uh, so so what were you saying? Uh, I think he's the weakest of the characters. Yeah, for sure. I want to say like, he's mostly a, just comic relief. He's comic relief, and he's like the butt of all jokes, which is fine. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it unfortunately kind of labels you as like the throwaway character. It's like, oh, yeah, we we've been pretty serious for like two minutes. Let's get a joke in. Hey, that guy's fat and dyes his beard a different color. You <laughs> yeah. know, like that's basically what they did. Well, yeah. even like in the final confrontation, he's like telling, like, what was it, Adebayo? Like, you know, don't go out there. You're gonna get just get yourself hurt, and then she goes off to be a badass. And he's like, and he breaks his shit, shin. Fine. And he literally, <laughs> like, yeah, he breaks his leg like bad, like, yeah, just getting over the fence. And it's like, ah, oh, man, like, that's funny, but I don't know, I don't know if you had to do that to him. I honestly would love it if they didn't show that, and when Peacemaker comes back up from underground. And he sees Harcourt bleeding out, and he sees uh, Economist on the ground, like bleeding too from his leg. And he's like, "What happened?" He's like, "What happened?" It's like, "Oh, she was fighting, and you know they shot her three times." And it's like, "How about you?" I tripped over a fence and <laughs> broke. Yeah, <my> leg. <laughs> it broke like, my what? busted my shit so bad that my <laughs> shin popped out. I love how he even like when he looks at it, he's like, "What the fuck? Like, yeah. how did this even happen?" It's just so I mean, ridiculous. His. his Time to shine was wasn't it when he shoots the gorilla? Was that him? Right? Yeah, no, he oh, does he the, chainsaw, the chainsaw of the gorilla. Oh, he chainsaw. Well, vigilante was all mad. Yeah. He's like, I really wanted to use a chainsaw, and then he used the chainsaw. Right after I said I wanted to use a chainsaw, <laughs> the fucking gorilla. That was so random. Uh, uh, yeah, he. I think too, like uh, when they go through him talking about everything, and he's a desk jockey, and the fact that he has to go into the field like this, and by the end of it, you know. You see him in some shitty, what, like, run-down office that it was in the middle of some, like, wrecked-out part of Bell Yeah, Rev. it's, like, just the next job or whatever. Yeah, but he gets to put up the picture of him with, like, everyone else. And that that's just another show of development where he was the butt of jokes pretty much, like, for, what, six out of eight episodes, it, it seems like. And then eventually, mm -hmm. finally, like, Peacemaker and uh, Vigilante more or less stop making fun of him. And then, especially, I'm pretty sure, definitely felt bad after he finally reveals everything about the dye beard. Yeah, yeah. And like, especially that line where he's like, "And I, I didn't, he didn't know that anyone noticed until one guy recently just started pointing it out all the time." And you see Peacemaker go like, "Oh man, I, I have been a fucking asshole to him." Yeah, yeah. It, it's like one of those things where I feel like the bully finally realizes what they did to the kid uh, at school, or yeah. well, actually, no, but they don't have that, that much. They don't feel that bad. Well, I just, I, I mean, I know we're gonna get to Peacemaker later, but I love that one line where he's like, "Yeah, no, I got bullied in high school all the time too." Like, oh, really? What did people do to you? <laughs> people would say I'm like abusive and mean and like yeah. a bully all the time. It's like, <laughs> words hurt, a, you know. It's such yeah. a John Cena line, like it's so good. Uh, uh, and then I guess yeah, Adebayo and her, you know, Adebayo really, I uh, Amanda Waller's daughter, daughter. Yeah. i thought that was interesting i thought yeah. so she's a really good actress uh mm -hmm. she in orange is the new black 
Wait, is oh, yeah. is that um tasty? Tasty? Yeah, it's yeah. tasty. Yeah, which I never finished that show. I think I got up to season. I stopped too. Three. I forgot where I stopped, but she was always consistently the best character. Easily the character that kind of like, like when she was on screen, she she like owned it, you know. Um, yeah. And if you go, if you look back to her school schooling, I guess you would say, she went to Juilliard. Oh, interesting. And the actress or the character? The actress. Okay. I'm pretty sure she did. I uh, could Daniel be, Brooks. I could uh, be wrong, but show. if you guys want to do a, a quick Google search, I'm pretty sure she did. Um, so, and, you know, for anybody who's aware, that's not a school that you can easily get into, you know? Yeah. At that's least a, like, that's a school where movies even talk about it, where you got into Juilliard. Yeah. That's the yeah. Thing. It's like, it's so prestigious that even someone who knows nothing about like performing arts schools, like mm-hmm. I know Juilliard. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? It's in New York, right? Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. It's in New York. Um, has 500 reviews on Google, uh, <laughs> but I think yeah, I think like uh, out of all the characters and besides you know Peacemaker himself, she has the most, I guess, dimensions where mm. you're seeing her struggling as Amanda Waller's daughter, as a wife, and as a teammate, and also as a friend, all at the same time because it's like you know as Amanda Waller's daughter she feels like she has to prove something to her mother uh well at the same time wanting to be a good wife to her wife and like the whole thing with that is like uh she doesn't know how honest she can be with her and all the shit that's Mm -hmm. happening and how much she's putting her in her danger in uh in danger as well as like being a teammate to everyone where she doesn't know if she's cut out to do everything they they're set up to do to the point like you know that whole conversation with Harcourt where Harcourt does shoot that guy who's begging. And she's like, we didn't have to do that. And it's like, yes, we did. Do you not realize what team you're on? Uh, and what we yeah. do uh, to the point of being a friend and like the whole betrayal to peacemaker and trying to rectify that afterwards. But um, you see a lot of growth with her from all those different facets. I guess you could even say like, she rivals Peacemaker in terms of like just having all those different dimensions hitting at once. But uh, I thought she was probably one of the strongest characters in the show easily uh, from all of that, but also great comedy relief when it came to it, just because of how she felt out of place every now and again, where you just see her and she's like, I didn't know the fucking helmet would listen to me when I said the command to the helmet floating away. So uh, after we talk about all the characters, I, mean, I want to bring up why I think they really work. Um, For sure. All right. And reason, reasons why they seem to really work together. But, you know. Um, but what you guys think about her? Yeah, I liked Adebayo. Like, I, I liked, like you mentioned, like how complicated her character was. Like, you know, yeah, she's Amanda Waller's daughter, but like she doesn't ha- seem to have Amanda Waller's ability to like, put her emotions aside for the sake of the mission, like no matter what, because that seems to be Amanda Waller's like thing is that, you know, she's her very, definition is like a cold bitch. Yeah. And like whatever it takes to get the mission done is like, she'll do it. Like that's why task force X even exists. Mm-hmm. Like no one else would think of to put something like that together other than her. And like her daughter is like, 
I just need a job. Hey, mom, do you got any work for me? <laughs> Yo, hook it up. I kind of need to yeah. work. And like, I guess that was one of the few points of confusion for me was like, did, did Waller know like how dangerous and how widespread the butterfly problem was? Because like, why would she put her daughter who's like very inexperienced on this, like literally Justice League level threat potentially, it seemed. So I don't know. But other and then like, yeah, her having to balance you know, trying to provide for her and her wife, but then like, you know, her wife being like, clearly you're not happy. And she's like trying to hide it the entire season until she like literally can't like, yeah. Like I thought she was a very interesting character to watch and very well acted. What about you, Brandon? She was a character. Her character is well acted, but also she's kind of like a character that helps change things. Because kind of back to the whole task force X thing, it's more of she, the whole thing with Amanda Waller, everybody pretty much knows this. If you've watched any suicide squad movie at this point is that everybody's expendable. Mm -hmm. Yep. But she changes that dynamic by being part of these, of a team that Amanda Waller is in charge of, because now it's not about everybody being expendable. It's her daughter is on the line. True. So that is very true. Yeah. It changes. How should I put this? It changes Waller's expectations of how a mission goes down, because now it's not get the mission done no matter what. It's go in there and be my intel. But obviously, your life, like, is something that is more important than the mission. Yeah. So it almost creates a hope. It, it almost creates a foil for Waller's ideals overall as a character because the whole yeah. thing is like she has no emotion, she has no attachment, and then you finally find her kryptonite. Yeah, it flips yeah. it flips the script literally, right? Like, or I guess I was honestly, yeah, I was honestly surprised to find out that Waller even had any children. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that also you is one of those things. That. It's one of those things that like they need to change the uh, certain aspects of the comic when translating to the film or like a TV show. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, what you realize what makes a good comic book adaptation work is you don't necessarily copy the source material scene for scene, but you adapt it with respect of the source material in mind. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's why certain characters uh, or comic characters in movies and TV shows work obviously because they take the source material and add a creative spin to it. And then some just try to do scene for scene, shot for shot remake of something. And that's why it kind of becomes just kind of whatever. If you watch it, like a perfect example to me is like, what's, what's like a really, I'm like running through a million Batman movies in my head. Uh, for instance, dark Knight rises that does not need to exist as a movie. The animated film. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, are you, wait, Dark Knight Returns? Or Dark Knight Returns. Oh, God. I'm thinking uh, Dark Knight Returns. That doesn't need to exist as an animated film. because if you like the animated Ishi Ishi Basala Basala. <laughs> <laughs> when you read the book, and not to go off on a tangent too fast, but when yeah. you read the book, you take the full story in. It was originally mm -hmm. a, a comic book, right? But when you watch the movie, if you put them next to each other, it is literally panel by panel a remake of that book. But it's a little bit more awkward because now 
you have to do that thing where a page that takes a minute to read, you have to make that page last three minutes worth on screen. Yeah. So it draw true. it draws things out. And not to say that that movie's bad, but it doesn't add anything. It just creates a motion comic that's a little bit more, you know, detailed at that point. And I know that's dumbing it down. Realistically, it is an animated film and it is a decent animated film. I'm not saying bad it's any way, you know. But again, it's one of those yeah, things where like Batman, yeah. Huh? I said you got your RoboCop Batman. Yeah, it, it's a shot-for-shot shot remake, so it doesn't do anything to the source material. It just puts it yeah. on film for so more people can know about it. Yeah. And then you got situations with Peacemaker where you go, okay, Amanda Waller is this type of character. But for the people that know about the character and people that understand what Amanda Waller is and who she is as a character in the comics, we're going to throw a wrench in there for the show. So that whole long rant is basically that. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I definitely get it. And um, honestly, that makes a lot of sense, really. I think, too, like, it's funny looking at it because when you think of Adebayo, you're like, okay, she's going to be in this and then probably in season two since they announced it. But other than that, you don't really think that you'll probably see her in the overall aspect of the DCEU compared to, like, what's going on here. Whereas, like, um, you look at Amanda Waller, who's in this, in Suicide Squad, in the Suicide Squad, and knowing, like, you know she's probably going to be spread out more, not to mention potentially in other book, other movies with other characters, because she's such a prominent role in DC in general. Like, I mean, if uh, people haven't watched it yet, uh, if you want the probably best take besides this uh, of Amanda Waller on the screen... Uh, check out the Justice League Unlimited animated show and you see her as like this head of Cadmus and there is even parts with like a Task Force X and stuff but it is amazing the way they do that where she's basically the I would say honestly arch enemy to Batman uh, because they have like a weird crazy like secret war going on while other characters are more like out there with powers and shit they're more like knowledge and spy master shit which is really cool but uh <clears throat> sorry um having her in this too just it's funny because amanda waller is just on screens in this show she's on phone screens on computer screens uh, and isn't on like off a screen until the very end when her yeah, daughter there's, outs. there's like one or two where they call each other yeah that's what i mean like screens though yeah it's like it's very, it? she's facetiming her mom oh i guess so yeah that's true huh yeah well, this was made during the pandemic. Well, True. also yeah. released in the pandemic. So, I mean, for all we know, uh, every single shot of her is usually in a room. Yeah. Or in it her, could be her just like some people were just remote for, you know, yeah. safety reasons. Which I mean, like, I have no complaint against. It's just uh, interesting seeing that, uh, especially because usually she is someone that's not really in that area, but also just uh, more reinforcing the difference between her and her mom. And about, you know, she doesn't want to lose any of her teammates because she actually cares about them. Whereas Amanda Waller, in the first Suicide Squad movie, uh, when they come to collect her, she literally guns down all of her employees. And you're like, oh. They weren't even employees. They were like local police or whatever that she'd like roped into helping her like evac. And she was like, they weren't need to know. Like, she's like, take me help. (laughs) Yeah, fucking whatever. But yeah, so there's that. And then uh, one other thing with that about when you look at her background, you're like, oh, where'd you work before this? And she's like, I was at a, I worked at a pouch shelter. 
but also somehow she i i got the impression that she was trained to be she was like an agent yeah. at some point very much so you, you gotta i mean if you're amanda if waller's kid you're gonna get trained how to survive yeah you probably got yeah. trained by the best uh to just be formidable in multiple aspects for sure probably knew how to shoot a gun before she could walk <laughs> yeah and of course there was that fucked up notebook for peacemaker that was just mm-hmm. like hey i'm like it was like that school shooter notebook kind of thing or like serial killer yeah one. Just like ah, detailing everything <laughs> yeah it just seems like such a weird convoluted way to like get peacemaker in trouble killed yeah when it's like didn't you say he still has the bomb in his neck like just blow up the bomb <laughs> eh. <laughs> don't question it <laughs> yeah um otherwise we had Mern, who was a butterfly the whole time and you know was he was an interesting revelation I kind of saw that coming, though, because he's very, like, stiff in his, like, character, I guess. And I thought, like, maybe that in the beginning, I thought maybe that's just because he's, like, a mercenary. And so maybe he's just, like, very, you know, cold and, like, calm all the time. It's like, no, it's more just because he's literally not human. Yeah. And he just is pissed off every time people ask him too many questions or goof off. And he's just like, he does have, like, one of my favorite, like, moments in the show where just, like, Oh god, I forget like who whose fuck up it was, but like it was after Economos like did the the dad. It was like I think at a bio. Oh, she tried to convince Vigilante to kill uh, Peacemaker's dad, and Mern finds out, and he's just like, "I thought Amanda Waller sent me a bunch of like soldiers. She sent me the goddamn Applejack King or whatever." <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> like, he's a character that like, doesn't. <laughs> He's also he's that kind like, of a cool show, though. <laughs> he's also that kind of character where he's robotic uh, because he's an alien. Like, yeah, he, he's very like shows no emotion, so it's easy for that character to like be on screen and shine. Kind yeah, of. but it's funny when he like loses it because then it's like he's almost breaking character because he's just that frustrated. Yeah. yeah, it's it's showing him kind of being around humans too long. Yeah. Where he's starting, they're starting to rub off on him in the more like frustration way, uh, which is just great. It's also like interesting how much emotion they were able to get into his like death scene, where like his the butterfly version of him like crawls out of the body, and um, Hardcore has like one last moment with it and kind of you know touches the the little hand yeah. or whatever, and just you know it's not even like a human face or or body or like anything but still somehow you get that like sad emotion of like you know she did know this person yeah it was it was like the it was the it was akin to that like Groot sacrificing himself in guardians yeah. one portion uh where there's not really i mean like you know they are practically the same when you have uh, vin diesel talking and a butterfly making butterfly sounds like it's just mm-hmm. like uh, i'm Groot, and then it's like oh no you're dead <laughs> but, uh. like uh i did like that he gives backstory to what happened before where he takes over a person and he's like this dude was a piece of shit he was horrible and i assume i don't what what made me confused was like was he a already a guy that worked for waller or did he take this guy over Uh, and then i'd assume he's a guy that like worked for waller and he was just already a piece of shit because he worked yeah. for Waller. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, what, I, that's what I was thinking. Maybe. I assumed he was just like a mercenary that had connections to Waller. 
It could be that whatever. too. I think yeah. there was a connection beforehand, though. Like they had knew each other. Yeah, and then um, you know he's like, looking back, I took this guy because he was no good. He was horrible, so I didn't feel any remorse. But looking how he was, he could have changed. He could have been a better yeah, person. Yeah, like eventually. I took that like potential from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So uh, that, I thought that was very interesting the way that he does that. So, you ready for my theory as to why I think all the characters work? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, and, and for anybody who's hearing this for the first time, I, I hate to sound like I'm gloating, but I did go to college to learn how to tell <laughs> stories. Let me just say that. No, no, no. no. Let me. I, I just really wanted yeah. you to say, I went to college. <laughs> I went like, to there, college. I said it. Educate <laughs> me, college boy. Well, no, like... Uh, got a degree that does not guarantee any money in my life ever <laughs> with creative brandon writing. is a sociology major with a minor in um i got a major theater. that pays even less i got creative writing so <laughs> <laughs> but the thing with creative writing and a lot of people in that major agree it ruins movies tv shows and books for you interesting because you are given the foundation of how a story is written and how a good story is typically uh. written. And you go into this like analytical mode because you spend your like years just studying stories and picking them apart. And you kind of just are always in that state of mind. And there's certain techniques that just are universal no matter where you're consuming the media from. Mm. And with that said, I was also told by a writer one time, if you want a perfect team dynamic, you think of... Are you ready for this? You think of the Ninja Turtles. Perfect okay. team dynamic. I've always hated you. <laughs> a perfect team dynamic is the Ninja Turtles. You got your leader, your hothead, your smart guy, your goofy guy. Exactly. Yeah. And it literally writes itself. It's one of those situations where every character is so polar. You always want polar opposite characters. You never want characters that are. Oh, my God. They literally did that for this. Yeah. So here's the thing. When you have characters that are polar opposite, they create the dialogue. It almost it's crazy when you're cre- writing a script because if your characters don't agree on things or if they have different ideologies or different personalities, they it, it's all natural. And the other thing that helps you go into that state of mind, and this is a little secret they teach you in creative writing, is one way you start is you create characters with different sounding names. You have Harcourt, Adebayo, Mern. And then who's uh, the tech guy? Economos. Economos. Granted, those names aren't completely. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, Chris. Well, Peacemaker. <laughs> and I'm gonna get to. I'm gonna get to that too. It's they all sound different, right? And think of it like this: you have kind of like the leader, the hothead, the tech guy. Yeah. And, or not exactly that, but you have but your similar. archetypes. You have your archetypes where each character serves a different role. You have. Uh, out of bio who's like the newbie the one that's like fresh to the field you have Mern, who's like the seasoned veteran you have Harcourt, who's like the hard ass and then you have economos who's like the tech nerdy guy who's like the butt of all jokes now the reason they yeah the reason why they work so well is because every character serves a different role and every character is a different personality that clashes with each other Keep in mind, the reason why they're telling jokes to each other is because or they're telling jokes and it's funny to watch them on screen is because they all basically don't agree on paper and it shows, you know, 
it's a perfect setup. And now what you do in the show that makes it interesting is you have your wrench thrown in there or your wrenches thrown in the mix with Vigilante and Peacemaker where they come in and shake up that dynamic. Think about it. It's like a six-person show practically. Yeah, no, yeah it is a Peacemaker show. but You're guaranteed like you don't even need to like without even having a script you just show their personalities and already you can just guess in your head oh this is gonna go like a fucking shit show in terms of just like dialogue with each other and here's the thing so you have that four-person dynamic that really like writes itself and then peacemaker is kind of like the wrench thrown in vigilante and peacemaker or if and again this is all how i perceive it right i could be totally wrong it's just how i see how i like perceive the show after watching it vigilante and peacemaker represent kind of the same thing but the two different directions you can go yeah oh no they absolutely were doing yeah. that uh peacemaker is a guy that feels guilt and remorse and vigilante is someone who embraces the violence so yeah. you have the same type of character but two different versions of it and you kind of throw them in the mix and everything gets all fucked up and that's what writes a great show because it's a recipe for disaster and what's the best thing yep. that you can do for your audience? Make your characters suffer. And what happens in the show? The characters are suffering. But we also naturally like to see characters suffer and then rise to the top. And that's why the show works so well. Because, yes, it's funny, violent, entertaining. But the characters are perfect archetypes for a show to succeed. That's Honestly. actually a really good point. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, looking at... Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I, I was just going to end on that note saying that, like, it's... If you watch a lot of shows in team settings, typically the ones that are good are the ones that follow those rules. And it's in, you could tell the other thing, too, is that James Gunn wrote every single episode. So he's kind of following his own rule set as well. That's why everybody seems consistent. It's not different writers every episode. Also a good point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. That's kind of like my whole theory as to why the characters work so well. And how, you know, even though there are six characters, this is a group of characters that follow storytelling 101, basically. And kind of like roll with it. But go ahead, Carmen. Uh, I was just going to say, well... Uh, listening to all that, I could easily say you wasted money on a degree. Because but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here talking about it, you know. <laughs> I'm like, this is bullshit. No, but no, that, that was a really good point, and uh, it makes perfect sense. And looking at all of them too, uh, having each one feel like they are like, oh, here's your brains, here's your kind of goofy. She doesn't really know what the hell is going on, person. Here's your leader who is pretty much emotionless and you're, I don't want to say hardcore. It's like a hothead, but well, she, she definitely was. Yeah. I, she, she was she, hardcore. Get pissed off for, yeah, yeah. She was hardcore. And maybe I'm wrong, but like it almost fits the Ninja Turtles theory, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it, like, it hella does. Another piece of evidence for that, that or at least the uh, idea of Peacemaker and Vigilante being like the wrenches thrown in that are like two different like outcomes of a like, what peacemaker could be yeah. and, and stuff like that like the scene where they go on one of their first like missions to assassinate like the senator, the senator and, and his, his family yeah and like peacemaker couldn't do it and vigilante's just like hold on buddy yeah i know he's like I'll, hey I'll dude i got <laughs> he's just, it like, here he's literally just like singing a tune like having fun murdering a bunch of kids and just like yeah it's like 
that that's Peacemaker if he literally didn't give a shit anymore. Well, that was but, like, Peacemaker at, in the Suicide Squad film. Yeah, yeah. where he's and just like, like a, having a fucking kill contest and with. I Blood actually Sport. really. I mean, we'll get to Peacemaker after Vigilante, but like they did a really good job of showing like after he killed like Rick Flag, who he apparently like idolized to some yeah. degree. Like he doesn't. He feel like peace or um. Oh God, uh, Rick Flag's like last words are like "peacemaker." What a joke! Mm-hmm. And like that stuck with him. Yeah, I did like that. It was repeated. That that really, I think, was the biggest thing that connected the Suicide Squad to Peacemaker was uh, just the inclusion of Flag's murder and just showing like yeah. how that impacted him. Where even when you watch him kill Flag in the movie. You, you see, like, Peacemaker doesn't look happy at all doing it. Like, he know. looks it's, miserable. It's interesting, because for me, like, the fact that he, you know, he still takes the drive, and he still, like, goes, and he's, like, gonna kill... Um, Ratcatcher. Yeah, like, to get away with it. Like, I, for me, like, him killing Rick Flagg seems like such a small, like, scene as, as far as, like, the grand, like, where that movie goes and everything, like... Rick, killing Rick Flag was definitely shocking, but it didn't seem like that important of a moment for Peacemaker at the time. But it's just interesting to think like, well, what if what if it did eat at him? And like, what if it like in his time in the hospital, like he, he all he could think about was like his idol. One of his idols last words was like calling him a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think like, honestly, it's something I wish they did that I had predicted. I had a whole thing, which, you know, v- very briefly but uh, BVS and Man of Steel, I remember when they were still like making BVS and stuff, and I had all these crazy predictions, and I'm like, oh my god, blah blah blah, <laughs> and I'm like, I bet you anything we're gonna see like Clark get these PTSD nightmares of him killing Zod, and he'll wake up like, what the fuck, like, oh Jesus Christ, what have I, what have I done? Reflect on it, and then you know, did get that. Um, so no. <laughs> you know, it's like, that didn't really happen. So I- I'm very happy to see that this is at least it happened here at least. And I did get a version of it, whether it was at least done with these characters, albeit not the ones I really, really wanted to see do it, but at least it was done, which I can appreciate that the work taken to make sure it's more like making really the world come alive and remembering like, hey, even the superest of a hero can still be human and have human issues yeah. and blow like PTSD and stuff. I guess kind of like... um. Iron Man when he fell out of space and Iron Man 3 is just him being like, oh, fuck. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, continuing on, uh, I guess like a couple more characters, Peacemaker and or Vigilante and Peacemaker, but also uh, real fast, how did you guys feel about the cops? Uh, just being like, I guess, funny, uh, like, interesting characters. Uh, I, the, I was surprised the show got away with the amount of like bigotry that was blatantly there yeah and like yeah. the cops were kind of like the like the butt of those jokes i did well i kind of liked the back and forth between like the asian cop and like peacemaker's dad oh yeah and, it like, was it, it's that kind of comedy that's like oh my god i can't believe they said that and you kind of like laugh with it and go jesus christ like that was pretty hardcore yeah. <laughs> uh i don't know i like i i think that my strongest emotion about the cops is just like it feels little bit disappointing that you know it felt like they were going somewhere and then just like the entire precinct gets taken over by butterflies and it's just like oh they're kind of uh, cannon I guess fodder the, 
Yeah, yeah I guess kinda, all those characters just are dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also uh, doesn't help. It looks very violent when the butterflies take over. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, like for not only that scene, but like this entire show, like I love the musical score for the show. Like, oh, I mean, eighties hair metal like works really well for me. But just like it, they did such a good job of ma- uh, matching the scene to the music that's going mm-hmm. on. And yeah, I just I love when like shows can do that well, and I that, uh, yeah, I really liked it. That is definitely a James Gunn thing where, I mean, we've seen it in Guardians and Guardians 2. And, you know, true. people have said like, oh, well, it's not even really a soundtrack. It's just, you know, some dude's greatest hits. And it's like, yeah, but they were well utilized. I mean, like yeah. you look at a lot of superhero movies and there's it's like if you don't have Hans Zimmer, what the fuck are you doing? But no, like I mean, literally look at the Suicide Squad, like the first one or or is that one Suicide Squad? Whatever, the bad Suicide one. Suicide Squad, yeah. Like, that one has, like, a dope soundtrack, but, like, none of the songs fit the scenes. I don't remember. It, it, I, I left that movie just being like, at least I have 21 pilots now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I, hate, I hated that song. <laughs> like, I didn't like that song. Did, yeah. like, I think that movie, like, opened on Bohemian Rhapsody for, like, two seconds, and I was just like, why, why would you waste the song on that? No, that was in the trailer. Um... Was it? The trailer, yeah, it was the 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 really hyped trailer that made you think the movie was going to be amazing, because they're playing Bohemian Rhapsody and doing like all this mm-hmm. shit, and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be like a fucking dope ass action movie. There's like soldiers and shit, and you watch it, and you're like, oh, 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 I hate that movie. What have so you much. done? And but, even as much as I hate it, I still kind of want to see the A or cut. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm so over this. Hashtag really see your cut. Uh, um, make it stop. <laughs> and we can make Brandon watch it so we can do it again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he loves it. More uh, Jared Leto Joker. Uh, I, I, uh, I gotta go, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, the cops themselves, like, it's, it's funny when I looked at the detective, um, Detective Larry Fitzgibbon, played by Lachlan Monroe. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if... I've, did you ever watch Riverdale? I can't remember. Not all of it. I think I, I saw the first season and that was kind of it. James, did you watch Riverdale at all? Or no? no, I never got around uh, to it. Betty Cooper's dad is the detective. Oh, my and God. And he's also eventually in Riverdale. He becomes like the black hood. He's like a serial killer. And he's like crazy. And then he ends up dying and all this shit. So I'm like, Peacemaker comes on and this dude appears. And I'm like, bruh, is that Betty's serial killer dad? What the fuck? And he's a cop now. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest Hey, man, shit. actors got to work, all right? <laughs> he was on it. I mean, like, you know, obviously Riverdale is just the fucking... It's... Dude, if you want to sum up Riverdale, you just got to watch that one scene where the guy talks about how he, he started selling drugs in fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Or the fact that adults are trying to fight kids and it doesn't make any sense. But, uh, like, seeing him in this role, I'm like, oh, this dude has like 20 times more acting chops than i thought he did because i just watched him on riverdale so i wasn't actually sure how good he was <laughs> and this show me he was much better but their dynamic of they make you care about them a little bit just because you know they have like all this small talk of like oh my god that line came like 20 minutes too late for your comeback or like uh pretty much they just kept commenting on each other's comebacks where it was more just like a little bit of fun and then you see the other cops interact with them, like that more hefty cop that just seems like a giant teddy bear guy. It's like, oh, you know, I just uh, was looking at the crime scene, blah, blah. But like um, even the security guard at the prison that's at like the checkout place and he's just listening to all the conversations and usually shaking his head like they give you small little little attachments and to see all of it taken away when the butterflies come in 
and you're just you feel bad because you're like even a little bit for like the one guy who like he wasn't i don't think he was really a cop but he was the one that like replaced the police chief for a bit oh yeah the the psycho yeah (laughs) that guy was actually like kind of funny like that just i like that it was like a post-credit scene in each uh episode and like some of them were just like either outtakes or just like extended things but like one of them was uh that guy trying to figure out how to pretend to be sad that his fellow cops were dead. <laughs> yeah so that was so that was uh christopher heyerdahl play, playing uh captain casper Locke. which props to him he is a fantastic actor i don't know if you guys have seen the show hell on wheels but he plays the swede who's this all sorts of fucked up guy that for some <laughs> reason has it out for the main character throughout like this crazy western railroad show that's like post civil war 1800s and he is fantastic in that show so i was like shocked when i saw him here and i'm like oh my god he's gonna be great he is such a good actor i love that guy um but uh sing like what what was her name the the female cop uh it was uh detective song played by annie chang like i legitimately had like a side feeling of like could you save her from the butterfly? Like after she's already the butterfly. Yeah, in there. I think that's like what you, I was so sad about. Was like, oh, she's I think gone. Once you like get the butterfly, you're pretty much dead. Yeah, pretty much. There, there was just, I guess, like because she was taken, you had this weird feeling like, could she come back? And then once it happens, you're like, oh no, never mind. No, she did. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the butterfly just called a bunch of other butterflies and just took over the entire precinct. Yeah. Yeah. They had their little, uh, spaceship like rave. And it I, looked like almost all of those mini spaceships. I know the <laughs> tiny ones, like the ones that are literally fitting uh, in your hand. I love that. They're all individual. They didn't have like a mothership. They're just like, Oh yeah, we just all each have our own spaceship. They all came to earth with their spaceship. Respectively. Yeah. Just imagine a bunch of like buggies and Tesla's flying through the air. Like we could have come in like a, Big old like I don't know school bus. But we just took like, all of our cars individually, but um yeah. So like the dad. Oh, he was interesting. He's been in a. I... God damn it! Where have I? Yeah, seen I that know guy? that actor. I've seen him in a bunch of things, and like he's like he's really good. Robert Patrick. Being... Yeah. Yeah. He's good at being like an. Actor. He's uh he's the dad in Zoolander, isn't he? The coal oh, miner. Shit. Yeah. You're right. You no, know, he's someone bigger that you guys don't even realize. He is the T one thousand. He is Terminator That's two. Right, yeah. he's the T one thousand. That just I don't know why it just reminded me of um what was that? What's that movie? Um, what's his face? Uh, the radio guys. He's in it. He pulls up and he's like, "Have you seen this kid?" Um, oh, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah. Yeah, he's in that he's in as the T one thousand. Yeah, that came out the same year, <laughs> or like yeah. a year after. Um. Yeah. He's also been in some other stuff, but he is the Team 1000. That's because Terminator 2 is one of the greatest movies ever created. I don't care what oh, anyone easily. says. Um, but he was also in... Yeah, I'm looking at all of his stuff. Um, yeah, he's done a lot. I just thought it was really interesting. Sons that... of Anarchy. Really? Okay. Yeah, he plays Packer. He's like one of the other... Uh, he's like a president of one of the other uh, Sons I clubs. I that. I just thought it was really interesting that DC even had like a straight up white supremacist like well, villain character. That's to what the White Dragon was based off of. He was a Hawkman villain. But right? I read about the villain. So that villain, there's actually. No, been- I literally looked it up because I was like, 
is this like a real thing or did they make this as yeah, like because it's, it's like they, a very topical the thing, thing. they the, the thing they made up was Sadly. that he was his, like he wasn't actually in the comics i don't believe he's peacemaker's dad no but that was the thing they connected for it otherwise uh brandon you'll probably know for sure on it but i'm pretty sure he was a hawkman villain yeah at least the way he started but off also on top of that there's been three people that have played the character and the character does have mm-hmm. like like basically their evil is rooted within like racism Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your superpower racism basically well, that's what the character was yeah it was i was like well, that, did they like, change my hatred that? allowed me to fly like the the short like wiki that i read about him was like he, one of them at least was able to make like uh, almost iron man level armor and like gadgets and shit which is i'm guessing the one that they chose for this show because dude like i was so confused and interested when peacemaker goes to his dad's house and like, he's got like a episode. pocket dimension yeah, he just like walks into his closet, and I, I literally like, I looked away for a second and looked back, and I saw the closet transforming, and was like, "What? Yeah, what, what's going on? I don't understand." So it's, it's crazy that that character was actually existed before. And I was like, they really did that, and yeah, at first I thought it was like made up or like a character they like, like the whole e- the whole ego thing with like. Uh, oh, the living planet. Yeah, yeah. Being like a human, that's Star Lord's dad. Like I was like, that seems a little made up too. But I know Ego was already an established character. Yeah, they they definitely fiddled with Ego a bit, but like, yeah. Yeah, so it was one uh, of those situations. Like the character was there, they just kind of used it, and I was like, holy shit, this is like a part of DC's like uh, rogue gallery that like yeah. I never even knew existed. I also thought it was, like, really clever to make, like, the father to essentially douchey Captain America is a, like, known white supremacist. Like, I thought that was, like, a really interesting commentary on, like, I unless I'm looking way too much into this, like, the origin, like, the history of America is very rooted in, like, white supremacy. So. I mean, that's all, it definitely feels like that, especially, too, considering, like, you look at Peacemaker, and, yeah, and he's got all the... I'm like, America, fuck yeah, I got the fucking eagle and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his dad's just like, yeah, I, I'm i like the high IQ KKK. And that's why all the other KKK guys like me is because I am smart <laughs> and able to do all this tech, which dude, is That was crazy. so interesting that like all like the, the white supremacists in the prison like immediately recognized him. And they were like, worshipped him. Do you yeah. know who this is? He was like the major supervillain. Yeah. yeah, you're like he. He's like the one. He's like us, but he could fly. He's our hero. People up. <laughs> that that's uh. what I thought was insane, though. It's like when you look at the DCU and like that world and everything else of like all the gadgets and everything else besides Batman and everything else is more metahuman or magic. But so far now, I'd say this is probably the second to Batman where there was a kkk leader that has a high-tech pocket dimension in his fucking house that has insane armor that he built himself because he's like yeah i made all of peacemaker's helmets each one is a different purpose yeah and I was like one that has like the crate i forget what it was called but the one that basically does like the blast that can turn everything to uh, meat. sonic boom yeah sonic uh, i'm boom. more impressed by the the one that gives you scabies oh <laughs> uh. Or the one that turns into a torpedo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking torpedo. It's like, why would I want the scabies one? I don't know. 
The Challenge yourself. The one that levitates and is just this awkward like mask floating. <laughs> Which someone said they straight up. Someone was like, they finally did the John Cena "You Can't See Me" meme as <laughs> the helmet, and Dude. I was like, oh, they're right. It there if there had been one that was an invisibility helmet, that would have been so fucking perfect. That would have been fantastic. That was like, like two on the nose for them. They could have I mean, said it. It's like, wait, so why is it you can be invisible, but the helmet doesn't? Listen, the helmet only works <laughs> on the person, not the helmet itself. All right, shut the fuck up. It would have been the best, like, just, yeah, like conversation just the helmet there. turns invisible. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see Peacemaker just arguing about that. Just saying, like, shut up. Don't ask me about this. Um, yeah, dude, like, I, I totally thought, I don't know why I thought his dad was joking about, like, the Sonic Boom stuff. It, like, that there was, like, actually tech built into the helmets. Even, even seeing the crazy, like, closet thing, I was just like, it's, it's just a helmet. Like, what, what could it possibly do? And then he was just like, vaporizes that one butterfly oh in the first yeah episode. literally obliterates her i was yeah. just like whoa his dad is uh not joking and uh looking at it too like i mean of course it feels like james gunn tackled more of like uh i guess a you know obviously it was p- political and stuff but he tackles more of the racial parenting yeah where... dude that was so sad when you find out peacemakers like not exactly origin story, but like, you know, what, what happened to his brother and mm-hmm. how, like, really that's definitely his dad's fault. Cause he was just like, yo, I'm going to have my kids fight bet in like, whatever, like that. It was honestly like such a sad story. And just to have his dad be like, your brother was the good one. You should have been the one that died. You have like, you know, I don't even want to say some of the shit that he said to his son. No, of course. Yeah. Fucking terrible. What was yeah. that movie? The wrong son died. That was Dewey Cox. <laughs> oh my god. Dewey, you shot me in half with a sword. <laughs> the wrong son died. But uh but more so too, like just that whole lineage thing of like, you know, teach all the hate to your kid and then keep dude, ha- have have it passed on, that kind of thing. As a child. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking traumatizing. And we're lucky to get a character that at least gets redemption or feels redeemable where he can turn his life around compared to like what he could have been like another white dragon yeah, just his, with... his father's just completely irredeemable yeah to the point where he gets you know he gets shot and then all of a sudden he comes back as a ghost like hey i'm a force ghost now but yeah. in your head and you're like fuck i almost expected that to be like he implanted some sort of like chip in his son's brain in case something like this ever happened oh for sure and then Ooh, uh maybe season two uh. i don't know uh vigilante uh Obviously, we already talked a bit about him just being like the polar opposite of Peacemaker. And just interesting because this is the second time we've seen him uh, on screen. Uh, first time being an arrow where they confuse the shit oh, out of yeah. everybody. Because oh, that's right. Was you like, were telling me, yeah, that he's an arrow. Yeah. And it was really weird the way they did it because Vigilante is supposed to, you know, he's played by a lawyer named Adrian Chase. who It's kind of like the Punisher tragedy. He is like the DC Punisher. And uh, just fucking insane in this show not necessarily as much in the comics yeah but uh they do like a weird thing in arrow where they're like adrian chase is actually prometheus and a different guy's vigilante and it's like a whole like why uh but here like we actually get the legit vigilante that looks like the comic book character spot on and dude i was so confused by his visor though because i was like okay one is it like prescription strength and two when you like do you 
ever like look at his eyes when he's in like when he's talking to someone in a scene he always has to like look upward because like the way the v is shaped on his face yeah it looks like he can barely see and he has to like look you know down at people to see like through the v it's super funny to me but i like the look of the costume though and also like I mean, I, I thought Vigilante was super funny. Like, I did not expect to care about him at all. Like, I thought it was just going to be, like, a funny side character. That I didn't even expect him to be around for the entire show. No, he ended but, up being, like, a main character. Oh, yeah, very yeah. much so. And, yeah, like, what we mentioned, like, him, like, having fun murdering, like, supposedly, you know, a whole family. That was, like, an interesting scene. But also just, like, you know, I... F- I thought like maybe he was just good with guns until the prison scene. <laughs> like that was definitely my favorite like episode. It was like him trying to break into prison to not even break into prison, just get arrested and thrown into prison just to get close enough to Peacemaker's dad. Because he loves Peacemaker him, yeah. that and much. And then he just like he just like fucks with the white uh, supremacists so much. Like that was so funny. He's like, let's name the our favorite black people. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> Well, this is so great. I just saw that. I was looking at random. They have a YouTube montage of all his scenes. And then, like, as soon as that one dude tries to get up to, like, fight him, he just destroys him. Like, yeah, I was literally like, oh, shit. Apparently, Vigilante knows how to throw down. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, the, the crazy thing, too, is the way it feels like for him. Like, I don't know if we'll, he doesn't really have as much backstory as Peacemaker at all. Like, he just pretty much makes it like, hey, you know, you picked on me a bit when we were younger. And I pretty yeah. much just turned into this. And, it seems like uh, he's like Dexter in terms of like he has that urge to kill, but he tries to just use it for good. Kind of. <laughs> he's also yeah. like, but he's if like, you know, I don't discriminate. Happens, I just kill everybody. Actually, I kill more white people than anything. So if anything, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm definitely anti-racist. <laughs> just so funny. Yeah. Funny. He also had one of my favorite jokes of the season when like he he like followed peacemaker to the prison to like visit his dad or whatever like he dropped him off there and Adebayo is there and she turns him just like i guess you're pe- or i guess you're a vigilante then and he's like what what no no, no. Not. <laughs> i mean who's vigilante <laughs> so he so played it off so well yeah. and he works at like an olive garden or some shit i think like yeah He's like that guy who served us the other night. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize that until I like had to like look back. I was like, oh yeah, he was the guy that served them. He like dances and he talks about getting his friend pregnant or something. Yeah, yeah. He tries to like play it off with his like coworker. He's just like, what? What are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm just super happy. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, he's like peacemaker to the extreme with like the like how like dumb he could be, how violent he could be, and like oblivious. I think that's what he's supposed to be like a caricature yeah. of Peacemaker. Yeah. Who already yeah, uh, himself feels like a caricature yeah. to an extent and looking at their dynamic where, you know, Peacemaker makes a shitty joke that nobody laughs at except for vigilante. And then vigilante makes a joke. And now it's the, it's the time where he, he's that guy that Peacemaker can go, at least I'm not this guy, right guys. And they go, you're yeah. right. And like that's just been an interesting way to do it because not many shows or anything really has that kind of thing where it's this thing of like, oh, here's cringe, but here's worse cringe. So then your cringe doesn't look that bad and you can go, hey, see that? See, I'm okay. And you guys can forget what I did that was bad. 
uh, which is always, it's like one of those things where you see that in real life, where you say something stupid and you go, I really hope someone else fucks up more so I can just turn it yeah. on to them. <laughs> they, they could uh, be, you could be more embarrassed for them. Yes. And then be like, oh, thank God, it's not me anymore. I'm safe. Uh, yeah. but I'm also really surprised that Vigilante didn't die in this show because like he got blown up by a grenade looked like he was dying in the car and yeah he got he's pretty like, beat up he also he's got... like fine he gets shot in the back mm-hmm. and like I love Peacemaker's just like dude you're shot like just let the doctors help you he's like no no I- I'm fine I just need to just fucking falls up. over yeah <laughs> we got another one over here <laughs> yeah I-, I did like his you think like yeah he could be someone that just dies halfway through the show or or in the beginning or like ridiculously uh and it turns into someone where you're like you actually would feel bad if they died now even if they are a sociopath uh that's homicidal uh but of course peacemaker himself like obviously a lot of different dimensions there daddy issues easily Mm -hmm. with a horrible background uh haunted ghosts of what happened in the suicide squad movie and also just a guy that feels pretty much lonely as his only friends are a bird and a sociopathic maniac uh otherwise pretty much is trying to fit in with a bunch of guys that think he already is a joke and insane i I love he lives in like an american flag themed trailer and his like fun time is blowing shit up with (laughs) with vigilante they literally just go out in the middle of the woods and just destroy shit yeah. Literally almost blowing each other up, like throwing dynamite behind each other. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> dynamite fight. Uh. Yeah, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Uh, but you really, once you get to know him compared to like what you know about him in the Suicide Squad, where he feels like a, kind of a kiss ass yeah. in the yeah. beginning. Like, oh, I could do better than you. Uh, to where he's always trying to one-up one sport and then eventually sing it. He's the hidden kind of half bad guy of Manda Waller yeah where he acts like as a villain uh to now sing him here is like oh now it all makes sense I get where he's coming from and you see like maybe he's not as one-dimensional as we get in that movie and instead you really feel bad because he's actually much more of a tragic character yeah uh Adebayo uh, said it well like in one of the early episodes of like you know yeah he's an asshole but like there's just something sad about him and then you find out why later and it's like oh wow i i can understand why he is the way he is yeah uh, plus like uh, yeah go for it no, no no i was gonna say the other thing with peacemaker too is that he's i think the show i don't know like if the show was planned already with the movie in mind or vice versa whatever it may be but it feels like to me the character did well test screening wise in the movies like okay we have potential here but it also feels like james gunn was like i think i want to take a different approach with the character and i'm going to use the show to change up the character and make him more likable yeah definitely it's like it, it it's a great challenge too because it's like how do you take a one-dimensional comedic piece of shit and turn him into a character that you actually are rooting for and like and don't want something bad to happen to them. And the fact that he was able to pull that off just shows, you know, how good he actually is. Um, but uh, what was the thing I was going to say? Um, oh, like th- just seeing how haunted he was by what happens in the movie and stuff. Like when you see him supposed to kill that family 
and he's like i just can't i can't do it and they're like aren't you like this is literally why we got you for this is because like you're heartless and can do this and he's like unfortunately i do have a heart and it's like uh and it's pretty much been reactivated after that pretty much like death experience and uh the killing of rick flag and stuff but uh you know we see everything from his different struggles and arcs that he overcomes from standing up to his father and completing it by putting a bullet in his fucking head to um making like befriending those that literally either despise or think nothing of him at all is like a joke uh from like harcourt and mern for the time mern has and even economos uh plus like uh, i don't really think there's any growth between there's some growth between him and vigilante but of course not at the rate that you get from harcourt at a bio and uh economos yeah. uh with them and then also his i would say his outlook on what he can do as a hero because before like you look at him and you're like oh this dude's a fucking anti-hero and shit but now you're like this dude's much more of like a lethal a, a, going the venom style a lethal protector <laughs> um uh of how you can perceive him now which i thought was honestly just like i said it's just it's a really good way of using redemption it's almost like having punisher go well maybe i don't have to kill as many people but then again like <laughs> actually you never want that because punishers killing people is one of the best things in the world um but yeah any anything else for peacemaker um, or like chris himself i think he's a character that's like he's the main character obviously but i still stand yeah. by i think he's like the wrench to change the dynamic dynamic yeah because the team is on a mission first and they grab peacemaker later um, so i feel like he's a main he's like a the main star but character wise he almost seems like he was the like like i don't know the show almost comes out as like the team is the main character as a whole no definitely yeah especially looking at the dance yeah and i think peacemaker is the one that was like the missing piece um it's just it's his show because it's from his perspective yeah but i think overall the character i mean as a character i've never heard of in my life i think john cena did a great job i never really said much about his him as a wrestler and i've seen him in certain things uh but this is probably like the role that he made work and the role that was like meant for him. Yeah. No, it works so well to the point where this man literally dressed up as Peacemaker in interviews and so many other things. He just kept coming out as Peacemaker. Yeah. Which is great. I love that it just. He definitely looks... had a lot of fun. Yeah. Doing yeah. this role. He, he definitely did. And it looked really great. Uh, just uh, outfit that fit perfectly. It was so nice. Um, and then. Last but not least, eagerly. Best character ever. I mean, it's that pretty much that whole thing of like James Gunn loves having an animal in everything, practically. Uh, or at least uh, like, yeah, huh. I yeah, guess that makes sense. Rack raccoon, eagerly, uh, rat catchers, rats. So I love it. Eagerly, maybe King Shark a little bit. <laughs> like eagerly, straight up like murdered a couple of cops. I know, <laughs> like tackled them in the face. I was just like, oh my god, eagerly is actually like vicious. <laughs> Just crinkle, crinkle a bag of chips. They'll come right to yeah, you. Yeah, I know. It's like so specific. <laughs> crinkle a bag of chips. They'll come flying to you. What, what do you mean? And then they try doing it. Like, he'll think you have chips. And you'll... 
Like that so much. Starts attacking Economos in the car. It's like, oh shit, what the fuck? <laughs> oh god. And you you get worried when you you know, his dad like hits eagerly. Oh, I like, was like, no. Don't don't kill the only character that doesn't need to die. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone but eagerly, please Anyone take Economos. <laughs> no, definitely. Um but yeah, those are the characters. And then of course, just looking at how James Gunn did this as a show and we've seen james gunn do movies we've seen slither super um guardians of the galaxy one and two which i have said before i'm really i'm not a fan of two personally and then the suicide squad and now we have an actual show that's eight episodes pretty much around 40 minutes each and he does a great job and brandon i know you had a lot to say about this portion um yeah because i think he What's interesting is he's never, I don't think he's ever written a show before. I didn't double check, but I think I can check now. I think this is like his first show he's completely like involved in. And I think what's one thing that's really worth noting is that he wrote, directed, and produced all the episodes. Apparently, he wrote each episode or he wrote all the episodes within like eight weeks. So, like a week per episode, he had to work on it. And the thing about the show is this is what I was, I was kind of talking about it before we start recording is that this is like peak superhero character James Gunn. Like he's got certain things that he's known for in his movies and his scripts and that show that's shown here. The thing is with James Gunn, he's always done like these like superhero characters that never really could go like far. And we all know he's very edgy and just like very like brutal and like raw with his violence and like mature content in his films. And this feels like the first superhero content that he's created that feels like him and him alone finally like realized. Yeah, there's so many awkward jokes. The violence is over the top. I mean, the thing he says about Arrow, what does he call him? A brony fucker or something? (laughs) He's like a big, yeah, he's like a big brony fan or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like the dialogue is so awkward and crazy and it's so James Gunn. It's like so him. And I think ultimately you like this show if you like James Gunn's style. The only thing this time around is he's allowed full creative control and it shows. Yeah. And I think that's sorry. Keep going. going. uh, Last thing I was going to say is I think what showcases that creative force that he has is that he did what he wanted and this is like peak James Gunn doing exactly how he envisions a superhero story and like he apparently had no one but in he just did what he wanted and that was it yeah very much so uh to the point where like I mean that's the thing I've I've always liked James Gunn like I, watched, I always have too I watched Slither and Super before I watched Guardians of the Galaxy and I just remember watching those two and I was like oh these are great like I don't really know who this guy is that wrote the like directed oh, stuff. He also wrote Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo too. Yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I looked. So he did. He wrote. You guys remember that game Lollipop Chainsaw? Oh, he wrote that. He wrote that. Wow. That makes way really? Too much sense. Yes. Oh. He wrote that. He also wrote. He did a show that he was actually a creator for called PG Porn from 2008 to 2009. Okay uh it was like 14 episodes or something um i don't know what 
it's about. It's got also his brother, Sean Gunn, as uh, one of the main characters, apparently. And it says, uh, the, the synopsis, for people who love everything about porn except the sex. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but, that's, I guess that, I don't know why, but like, I didn't even think that that would be what PG porn would be. Is just literally everything but the sex. Yeah. And he's worked huh. with, uh, he also worked with Zack Snyder. Uh, they worked together on Dawn of the Dead, where he wrote it and Zack <laughs> Snyder directed it. He wrote the screenplay. Interesting. Oh wow! Uh, so they have worked together before, um, which was, I think it was like Sex Center was congratulating him with everything for it. Uh, but um, yeah, that's all the main stuff. Besides, you know, we got Guardians after, and that's what really gave his name mm-hmm. everything was the first movie. But also, we you know, you know, the Disney rails were on there, and we saw Suicide Squad, which was pretty much we get to see. Hey, look, it's the superhero movie, but without Disney going, kids. And WB going, yo, fuck kids. You want to shoot a dude with his dick out? Go for it. We don't give a fuck. It's like, what? Okay. Um, and yeah, we're, we're seeing all this shit. And it's it's good to see. It's like I said before, like, I've only not liked one of his films. And it was just Guardians 2. And then, you know, we went through around that time right after that whole Twitter shit happened. Where it's like his 12-year-old tweets were like, this guy is the worst. We need to get him out of here. And then that's what led to him coming to the WB for the Suicide Squad. And then Disney going, actually, maybe we were a little too harsh. Come back to us and do Guardians 3. And I think we're getting, I think this December, we're getting the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And then next year, we're getting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And then uh, it's it's very interesting because it's like he said, like, that's his last stuff from Marvel. And then afterwards, he's probably... I think he's doing those two first, and then we're going to see him come back for Peacemaker Season 2. And uh, there's even talk... I think one of the Suicide Squad producers said, like, hey, Gunn would be interested in doing more characters getting shows. And, like, one specifically, which you can imagine is one of two characters, either being uh rat catcher 2 or blood sport unless they went insane and said hey look king shark's got a show now uh <laughs> <laughs> uh dialogue but, um, just out there. yeah <laughs> just, um but i guess uh last main thing i want to ask you guys or i guess i forgot uh, just really fast did you guys care about that justice league scene at all I was like, did they actually do it? And then they actually got two people. Yeah, I like <laughs> I talked to Cameron about this before I'd seen the episode because he he had asked if I'd seen it. And I, I like I had seen like on Twitter a silhouette, like the first shot of like behind Peacemaker's back. And like you could see the silhouettes of all the other heroes. And I assumed that it was just going to like cut to black after that. Like, yeah, I thought that was going to be the post credit scene of like peacemaker apparently for some reason meets the justice league and then it just keeps going and like yeah it was just really bizarre to me that like there were definitely some people missing and not just like you know the actors but like there wasn't i don't think there was even a silhouette for cyborg there was that oh, was I mean, there? not not in the show it was cg um no they they, they didn't have a silhouette in the show 
But uh, the whole thing was like, you know, they actually got Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller to come as Aquaman in the Flash. Yeah. They had two people fill in for Superman and Wonder Woman, oh, which okay. they actually posted themselves on Instagram in the outfits going like, hey, check it out. We got to do this. Wait, and I then thought... another guy posted himself in the Batfleck armor, in the Batfleck suit going, yeah, they didn't want to. They they filmed me, but they didn't end up putting me in. As oh, Batman. that was who was missing. And there was another guy that did Cyborg as well. And then you're like wait why those two and then you realize oh right ray fisher and batflex mm-hmm. about to die and flash probably so and gal gadot also clearly didn't show up for this which i don't i think they were that i mean i feel like the price of gal gadot compared to like or like the the issues of like the potential hoops you gotta jump through to get her there compared to probably jason momoa and ezra miller yeah are probably bigger maybe um, especially know. like henry cavill Henry Cavill's a different story, considering the fact that this is the second time we've gotten the Superman without Superman. Yeah. Like, oh after Shazam God. and stuff. They did it to him again. And yeah. it's like, fuck. Well, I guess, but, like, uh, you have to yeah. pay these actors a certain amount, right, to be yeah, the characters. Yeah, because That's true. Yeah. It just feels like, on the one hand, it was cool to get even just, like, a couple of them show up. But I think if it had just been like the flash and Aquaman show up and they made a joke of like, what everyone else was busy. This is, all, this is the best you got. Like where, what do you need? Like that would have been kind of funny, but trying to do the silhouettes of all the other characters, but like knowing that they didn't for like either monetary reasons or just studio drama reasons, they just like didn't bring the other like actors in to do those that like one, like two second scene or whatever. Yeah. So I guess it ends up feeling weird to me. Like, I feel like they could have done without that scene and I would have been just just as happy, if not more happy, because it just having it makes that it just gets it's a weird taste, I guess, at the end. Definitely. That's a weird way to put it. It's it's just like awkward. It is awkward. Like it's how do I put it? Like I I get the idea of wanting to cameo the big stars but realistically it's like clickbait because you have to kind of go on hbo and watch that scene unless someone puts on youtube to see if it actually happened true and you also choose the one person jason momoa loves being aquaman Mm. like so you know he's probably down to dress up as aquaman like half the time right yeah, yeah. I guess what's also... Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish. No, no, no it, it's just... It's fine. It's just more of like... I think they just went with Barry because he's trending with the Flashpoint movie and Aquaman because Jason Momoa loves being the character. I mean, they both have movies coming out this year. Yeah, or maybe they just were the only ones available, you know? Yeah. I and, mean, Henry Cavill yeah. is The Witcher and, like, other shit to do. He's 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 busy. It is. And it was funny, don't get me wrong. I thought it was hilarious, the, the whole fish fucking joke. Like, it's not a rumor. Yeah. Fuck you, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that he says, fuck you, Barry. That's that was it. pretty funny, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's funny. And he's like, you're too late, dickheads. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's a funny cameo, but it it's just, like, awkwardly placed because it's just like, oh, look, we have the properties to these characters. When realistically, yeah. it's better to just separate the two. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and, you know, obviously it, it spawned an entire online Twitter war, which I watched and I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I saw say. someone comment that, like, it is just a little bit tonally weird for those characters. Just like, if you think about it in that scene, there's like dead bodies 
everywhere. Yeah. And for them to be cracking jokes about like fish fucking is just bizarre. Maybe not for the show, but for like those characters, maybe. Oh, man. I don't know. To be fair, like one of the early jokes in uh, Aquaman was like, hey, you that fish boy. <laughs> like that shit was so funny. When you say it like that, though, it's like, hey, you that fish. It's like, hey, why is it so seductive? Boy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fish boy. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, and it's like the whole thing of like, I can't believe they do that. It's like, why would they do that? Of all the like all these crazy reasons. And I'm like, bro, it's James Gunn. He makes jokes. And if you watch the entire show, you yeah, get how it does more or less fit in. No, that's in why that I said it, like it fits it for the show. It's just yeah. weird for those characters. I think yeah. like it didn't need to exist, but he's a good enough writer to make it slightly work. Yeah, yeah. where it doesn't feel like cringe or anything like that. It definitely um, was funny seeing Peacemaker. Yeah. like too late. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a funny it, scene. It, it just didn't need to exist. Yeah, I think it it is. It's also funny because of the fact that they canonize that Peacemaker has had interactions with the Justice League before, where he casually. Is it it like, kind of makes you wonder, up. like, did that one moment that he like back in the uh, kindergarten or whatever, when, or I guess it wouldn't have been kindergarten, and he was like doing the bring your oh the friend, like, your dad's whoever. friend worked it or whatever. Or yeah. Whatever, yeah. And he's just like, have you ever met any of the Justice League? Like, I met Wonder Woman once. She was IFing me across the room. Yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely, I mean, you obviously know, like, all the shit he says about them. He's just pretty much talking shit. Yeah, she but, was IFing me. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. That's so how the episode <laughs> starts, too. Yeah. I totally forget. Yeah, oh my God. You're like, like, why is he in a school? Yeah, like, why Dude, is he talking to kids? I totally forgot about the scene with, like, his dad's neighbor, like, the nosy neighbor. Oh my who God. also made it into the intro but mm-hmm. like his just little like, feet movements and just like i love that one scene where he's like do you, like if you're such a great superhero don't do you have like a cadre of supervillains that you constantly fight like no like well batman has a, like a bunch yeah, of he's like, like, like kill well, them yeah yeah it's like i don't have a bunch of like repeat villains because i kill my villains so they can't hurt anyone again and it's like and that's like an argument that's been made is, many yeah, times about right, Batman. Yeah. That's and the whole Punisher the, thing in general. Yeah. Really. And then the uh, the neighbor's reaction was like, oh, I'm sorry, I was just trying to make conversation. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my bad, dude. He also was like, Batman's a pussy. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, okay. He says something like that, right? It's, yeah, yeah he does. So. Yeah. Um, but I guess looking at a season two, do you guys have any expectations or anything you're looking forward to seeing from it? I don't know where they could go with this. I mean, I guess another just random Thread. Waller mission. We're getting the band back together and maybe expand a bit. Some, some like some mission that's named exactly after what it is. I know, right? Yeah. Project Starfish, Project Butterfly, like it's literally some animal. Am I gonna fight a Mothra? <laughs> yeah, I think um, one character I'd like to see from the suicide squad if they could bring them in or actually two characters potentially uh that i'd like to see in a season two one more of like fits in of comedic relief but it's also ridiculous considering they did show that he survived actually two characters that survived would be uh if they really wanted to fuck around uh tdk Mm. nathan fillion's character that somehow didn't fucking die yeah they said he uh yeah he, he apparently lived um and oh, then also the weasel who's yeah. <laughs> also fucking alive 
but one character that I think would be more so um, layering upon the whole Rick Flag issue would be is if not for like the whole series, but maybe just a couple episodes, if Ratcatcher came in and mm. just addressing that whole thing, I think would be a fun kind of like, I don't know, just more, uh, yeah, like I said, just more layering in terms of that and building up those characters and showing potential change where maybe, I don't know if she'd forgive him, but like be like, hey, you know, like, I know what you did, but if you're different now, whatever, and so on. But that's just my idea. Oh, I mean, who knows where it can go? We didn't so we didn't expect this to go down the alien invasion route, right? Like that is very true. Yeah, it, true. It could literally be anything. It could be he has to work with a, another superhero, or there's like demons invading. I don't know, dude. There's such an endless catalog of things that could. What if Edrigan showed up? What? <laughs> The thing with good, why don't you rhyme for us? Fuck you. <laughs> the thing with the thing with James Gunn is he's proven that any character is a billion dollar character. Mm, yeah. yeah. Guardians single handedly ruined comic book movies. <laughs> and that's because I know that's a weird hot take, and I I like those movies, and that's because it's shown that it doesn't matter what's in your catalog, if you own the rights to it, it's a potential something. Yeah. And with that said, he's getting proven, Moon Knight now. <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. And he's proven. Well, we wanted Mo- that Moon Knight deserved. We wanted fucking Moon Knight, eh. dude. He's proven it before with Guardians, and he's proving it on DC side with Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. And look at all the villains and heroes he's already brought like to the spotlight. So at this point, it's apparent that he's capable of making it work, and it could literally be anything. Yeah. True, I agree. Now I I, I can imagine Condiment King showing up. And then squirting. Oh my god, that'd be so fun. Yeah, and then like shot. And then the peacemaker kills him as like it's like yeah. the first five minutes of season two. <laughs> Bro, you just shot mustard on you. Yeah. Who the, <laughs> the fuck shoots mustard and ketchup at someone? <laughs> so I think he got it all over my dove of peace. <laughs> Don't mess with the dove of peace. Yeah. And then vigilante's like, "Hey man, I need that for my hot dog." <laughs> but like, so it could be anything. And as much as I'd like to kind of guess what it is at the end of the day i'm not gonna know so it's one of those yeah. things with comic Same. book stuff i'm at a point where like i just wait to see when it comes out i was honestly kind of surprised they have been greenland it for a season two already because like oh it's widely I successful mean, well i guess that's it not a, it was oh they greenlit it before the last episode aired too yeah i think it's it's not so much that i'm surprised because like it was very popular so like i it makes sense that they'd want to keep that going it's just that like I thought this was going to be like a one season show. As like I thought a, so too. I thought it was a one of, and done. Yeah. I think though, um, it seems like the way this is like, like I said, Disney's on the way out for him. His Guardian stuff is wrapping up. And from what we're seeing, like Warner Brothers is going to keep giving him carte blanche for whatever he wants to do if he's willing to keep going. And he's seeing that going oh i got full creative freedom and i can keep doing this and keep making it as violent and audibly profane as i want it to be cool all right then i'll see how much i want to do until i get tired of it um because really like aside from super and guardians like i mean super and slithery like he hasn't actually done anything else in a long time besides that until like guardians came like after that Hmm. so we're not used to him. It's not like one of those other filmmakers like Nolan where Nolan's like, yeah, I do these crazy fucking 
like movies and then i also in between all that did like a batman trilogy and then went back to that and never went back to superheroes again like gun is much more like oh i could i could just keep doing this because this is pretty much what i've always done for the most part uh, even my non-cape movies had superhero technically or like vigilante as like super and stuff so um just a thing to think about there but i think i think that's everything i think we're good to go guys um of course we are not leaving now uh and i mean we're finishing the show now but we're not uh going back off hiatus uh our next episode of course the batman is actually this we're recording the week of the batman and uh brandon you and i and a few others are going to watch it in imax on thursday and then james you and i are going to see it the day after in the album on friday <laughs> so, I'm like, uh, so you're hey, actually going to see it like twice this week yes i'm insane yes uh, uh <laughs> and yeah i'm crazy dude uh three-hour movie <laughs> yeah dude i snyder cut come on this is easy that's Lord fair rings. this is easy compared to you these. could pause the snyder cut yeah <laughs> yeah i know you could I'm... also not watch it but you know it's <laughs> your favorite movie talking about um since the batman's coming out of course our next episode with this is without a doubt going to be uh batman hush the animated movie we're just going to talk about that not the actual mm. new movie i'm kidding no but next episode will be on the batman and just kind of looking ahead for the rest of the year um of course we'll do episodes on all the movies coming out this year so black adam the flash aquaman 2 we'll also uh in between all of that be doing the whatever happened to all the dc movies that were ever announced kind of the pulse check for every single thing if it was canceled if it's in development hell what the fuck's going on with it because there's a lot a lot um and it's kind of ridiculous when you add them all up uh, but we'll be doing that. We'll probably push in Birds of Prey, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, everyone's favorite movie, uh, Doom Patrol, and we'll see what else we can Titans. throw in there. Maybe tight. Uh, if someone wants to watch that too, besides me, I, I definitely. Uh, I honestly had a plan for Titans. If no one watched it and I had to watch it, I was gonna just see if I could find random people on Twitter to come on and be like, "Hey, someone talk to Titans." Oh uh, man, <laughs> I want to watch it just to see. Apparently, it gets better, but dude, that first season is hard to get through. I know, I, like, I still haven't watched it at I'm all. Like, I just know fuck Batman. The episode it. two yeah. is like it gets even cringier. Oh man, that's amazing! Oh, my God, yeah, I'm I'm like vaguely interested to try it at some point, but that's like it, it, all i needed to do is thing. i just need it to be better than cw shows that's all i needed to do and i can stand with it because if i can stand through 11 seasons of supernatural and somehow still watch riverdale even though i hate myself for it i don't know why i do it <laughs> i think i just am a masochist in that sense i don't really know but like if i could do that then titans won't be as bad as i think it is but we'll see what happens there but those are pretty much a lot of the episodes we're looking forward to there if anything maybe we can actually include actual comic book maybe to talk about at a certain point too in this year we'll see what happens though uh with that said though brandon where can people find you you could find me at well my handle with every single social media site is jiggity jones you can also find me at a paul city comics podcast your everything and anything comic book podcast awesome yeah and james where can people find you yeah, my handle on pretty much everything is at invadergym124, and I am also the co-host of Sutra Side Talk, which is also on this channel. Yeah, anywhere 
like I, I was gonna say like YouTube, Spotify, but it's it's literally on the same as Sutra Side Talk everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, I should also mention that uh, Apollo City Comics podcast is on every podcast platform out there that most people would use. Not every single one, but a general amount, and YouTube as well. And we're is on it Instagram. Uh, obviously, yes, because Universal. No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can also uh, find us on YouTube and uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram. And just see updates on episodes, people we're working with, and uh, anything else going on. Cool. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at GogoComzilla. And the show itself is on the Suture Side Talk channel, which you probably listened to already. Uh, if you have a weekly show where we talk about games, movies, TV shows, what we've watched and played, and a bit of news. We also got... Uh... Actually, it's really the two shows we're doing right now is this and that. Uh, eventually, we'll get back with Suture Sidewatch, our twice-a-month... Uh, movie podcast where we go in depth on a specific film each episode and then up to a down to we'll come back to eventually uh which is more of like an off the rails uh crazy just specific topic episode about anything really uh but of course you know subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to if it's apple podcast give us a five-star review spotify rate us if it's youtube give us a like as well as subscribe and yeah we're on youtube now for uh sutra side talk we've been on youtube uh, since like 132 I want to say and now Cut of Steel will be on YouTube as well uh, this is the first episode for it so yeah you can check us out here uh, if you're watching us otherwise uh, you can watch the audio or listen to the audio version which will be a lot more controlled I would say because I can do a lot of crazier edits there whereas the film one or the uh, YouTube one I'm gonna be honest might be a little more hectic uh, just because I'm not I just cut the beginning and end and I throw it on there. So there's nothing special about it. It's just like, Oh, I hear a little bit more weird stuff in this than I do the audio version. Sorry about that. But sometimes that has to be the case. Cause I'm not used to video still. Uh, but yeah, until probably actually much sooner than a month. We'll catch you guys next time for Batman. See you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. <laughs>